When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition and possibly the last week of all times edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. Uh, joining you as always, Steve Haller with me as always and for the foreseeable hour, Andy Pregler and Christian DeGuzman. What's going on guys? We may or may not be getting Thanos snapped right now. <laughs> uh, Mr. Haller, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so for any of you guys who've been with us for for some time or for anyone just tuning in uh we uh are in the process of kind of working through a rebrand on the podcast um vox did not extend the podcast they are still the site will still be live the site will still be active um we probably will still be able to post this as a fan shot on the site or we'll try and find some way to get it to anybody who reads um but uh officially Moving forward, the Troy Noons is an Absolute Magician podcast, or Troy Noons is an Absolute podcast, uh, will now be known as the Disloyal Idiots, thanks to one James Arthur Bayheim. The uh, the best part about this new shift is that literally, when anybody says the Disloyal Idiots say something, uh, they will not be inaccurate. They might be misquoting <laughs> us. They might not necessarily be saying uh we might not have actually said what they said we said however uh disloyal idiots are going to be a thing yeah yeah you can follow that logic uh disloyal idiots is going to be a thing moving forward we're really excited uh if you are listening on a podcast feed uh podcast app uh watching us on twitch nothing's going to change for you uh this the feed will stay the same the rebranding will hit whenever the contract officially ends with vox um this you won't have to resubscribe to anything else uh all this really changes is for those of you who go to newsmagician.com to read our stuff uh that will no longer be as easy as it used to be um so there's uh steve christian and i are working on getting some twitter accounts set up uh you know i have a sub stack that i'll be posting this to for those that for some reason really like to have it open in a tab uh in the background instead of using a podcast app listen we all have our quirks do do what you will um but yeah this is we're really excited about this it's going to be a great opportunity we're partnering up as part of a network with a bunch of other former vox podcasts so there should be 
lots of cool things coming your way in the future. And again, we really appreciate your support for allowing us to feel confident in making the decision that we can continue to do this show, uh, you know, for our enjoyment, um, but also that there's people like Homefield and our wonderful guests that sometimes pop on that, that see value in this and, and want to talk to us and talk to the rest of uh, our listener base. So we really appreciate your support. Uh, that's gotten us to this point. Yeah, and for anyone who's wondering, uh, we will be part of what is at present the fledgling Fans First Sports Network. Uh, it's going to be a collective of a lot of the former Vox podcasts, as well as um, you know grabbing some new some new um, new talent here and there. Um, so you'll you'll start seeing stuff pop up on them pretty soon, and uh, we'll move forward from there. So, with the housekeeping out of the way. Who wants to get yelled at by James Arthur first and talk about the mess that was the week of Syracuse basketball? Can we do what we did last week and spend five minutes on this and move on very quickly? Well, we can spend about as many seconds as we lost by points. So that's we're we're still under a minute in uh, in, in how long we can t- or we have to talk about them. Uh, I was going to say I thought you were going to say we could we had to talk for as many minutes as points Syracuse gave up. To which I would say I am still recovering from a friend's thirtieth birthday. Uh, I am losing my voice, and I do not think I can talk that long, uh, considering that Syracuse <laughs> gave up back-to-back 90-point performances for the first time since the Jerry McNamara, uh, not 10 fucking games uh, I season, I think I saw. And then I also saw that this is the first time that Syracuse has lost while giving up back-to-back 90-point games since pre-Jim Beheim. Oh, wow. um, or it's something or it's something like we've given up 90 points four times this year, and the last time that that happened and was... That's, that's actually how Syracuse calendars are, like, on campus. That's how calendars are referenced, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> PJB and AJB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, B, it's BB for before Bayheim and then <laughs> AB for after Bayheim. Yeah, the uh, the Bayheim era is definitively ending more in a way that I don't think any of us saw coming. Like we knew it wasn't going to be pretty. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be uh, dumpster fire. I didn't think I it was going to be Bobby Knight, which is what we're starting to run into, which is what yeah. Hurts. So let's talk. Like I don't think it. Uh, this is actually going to be really silly. To Christian's point, I don't think there's a lot to talk about with the pit game. Beheim pissed off Pitt. Pitt was ready for that game. The Pete was the vintage Pete. Pitt has a pretty solid team. They came out motivated. Like, Syracuse was going to need to play an A-plus game to even compete in that. And then you saw Benny Williams and uh, who else got the start? Uh, in a, oh, yeah, Justin Taylor got the please don't transfer start. And that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> for for. To, to credit, to take a positive from the game, Benny actually had his best game in an orange uniform. Yeah. Because for some reason, he decided his jump shot, jump shot was going to be consistent. Which, yeah. for the first time in an orange uniform, is what happened. And that's something that would have come in handy through most of the season, not just here in transfer uh, transfer showcase time. It just, I, I mean, like, if you take that game from Benny Williams, Syracuse wins those games nine times out of ten. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that one time out of ten is during the stretch where Syracuse defense forgot how to defense. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I, having having watched, I watched as much of that game as I could, uh, not from, uh, I, I turned it on late and continued to watch through the debacle that was giving up 99 points to Pitt. Yeah, um, I had to. Yeah, 
Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> forced to, but I I missed the missed the first half. By the time I turned it down, Cuse was only down. Oh no, I turned it down about halftime. They were down what ten ish, and then yeah, yeah, it was twenty. It was I think it was single digits at half. Yeah, and then well, because oh, you know what? It stretched had, pretty. It stretched right out of the half, kind of thing. Yeah, like we can actually talk, like break it down that way because Pitt, like to be fair, didn't shoot it that well in the first half. Um, and then that's what kept it Syracuse close, and Syracuse's offense was doing pretty well. But then Pitt just exploited the zone in the second half, right? And which seems to be know, a recurring theme. Yeah, they, I think it was sixty-two points Pitt scored in the second half. You are accurate. Pitt scored sixty-two points in the second half. Um, for reference, that is the total number. Of, that is more points that, uh, or equal to the same number of points. That Syracuse scored in games against Duke, uh, UVA, and let's see, where else can this look bad? Oh, no, Notre Dame win. Oh, that's really upsetting. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's depressing. Yeah. yeah. The defense, I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum, but, like, the defense is bad. And I don't necessarily know if going to man would help. It's just that it this defense physically cannot hurt. Uh, yes, it can. Well, yeah, but what are we going to lose by thirty instead of twenty? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it still looks bad either way. Yeah, this. I mean, this well, is well. J- James posted on the on the website, you know, the the highlight from Bayhai's press conference. Uh, we don't have another defense. This is the guy who said going into the season that he was prepping man to be played almost as much as zone, right? And then the first three games of the season happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which were against non-Power 5 teams. Well, and then the games after that happened that they didn't look much better against non-Power 5 teams. Yeah. Let's gloss over those facts. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. It's almost like this team is bad. No, we'll give give that away. Uh, I I think... it's a frustrating thing because much much like a team that we'll get to and opposite of a team that all three of us are used to covering, the offense at times doesn't look half bad. Like, there's good offensive potential in this team. It's just that the defense, like, really, really lets it down. I mean, they scored 82 points against Pitt, and they scored 73 against Clemson. Uh, if the 2-3 like, zone... Yeah, you'll take those. Yeah, if the 2-3 zone does what it's supposed to do... Those are one possession games uh, at worst, uh, and instead they're blowout losses because, yeah, I, I just I keep looking. I'm looking at the ESPN schedule thing. I like the way they just have it, like in a little nice little mm-hmm. skinny thing. Yeah, yeah. And we that Ill, that Illinois loss where we lost seventy three to forty four. I know that there was a lot to write off from that game because it was coming off of the Bryant shit show. But really, that that should have been the canary in the coal mine. And instead, we took a five-game winning streak against Notre Dame, Oakland, Georgetown, Monmouth, and Cornell to believe that there was something here. Um, and there never was. Like, that, it's, it right. really did kind of, we, we let, we didn't look at the process, and that's, that was always the undoing here. Well, and that's been the, the recurring theme this athletic season. I mean, same thing with football. You saw... A six-game win streak and a good showing against Clemson, and everyone thinks that's, you know, the be-all, end-all of like, oh, they're six and zero, and it's like, no, they look at what's actually happening. It's the same thing with the basketball team. There are pieces 
there there is as weird as it sounds to say, and we've said it through the season, there's talent on this team. It just isn't the right talent within itself, like within the team. Like it doesn't work well together. Like we have good scores, we have a decent offense, we have this, we have that. We have some guys that can play man, some guys that can play zone, and when you don't have five guys that can do either, you end up looking like we do. And it's like this weird amalgamation of Frankenstein's... It's Beheim's monster. That's what we've created. <laughs> Mary Shelley, be damned. We've created Beheim's monster. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, I think the Clemson game... Uh, you know, Jesus, all five starters story. for Clemson scored in double figures. Like, that's not that's not what you want. <laughs> oh, really? What did I just say? <laughs> um, they were both, you know, both teams shot 38% from three. Uh, and Clemson out-rebounded Syracuse 38 to 28. Um, you know, the field goal percentage for Syracuse was 47%. Clemson shot 52%. Like... The number again, the numbers itself on the offensive side are are not all that bad. Judah Judah had another Judah type of game. It's just that defensively and on the boards, the, this team's not it. And I know that I don't. I know that the rebounding thing feels like a beaten horse after twenty years. But like this year, the reba- like the guys aren't just aren't able to compete in the paint. Like they're just not physical enough. Uh, Jesse is I'm afraid far. to do things like he's, he's the it. only rebounder yeah. and at times it looks really obvious that he's afraid that he's going to foul because I will, he does yeah I will say I I I do think it is part physical I think it is more so positioning because some of the mm. positioning is just horrific because there are guys who get wide open looks at rebounds on opposing teams with only Jesse in there with a hope of contesting the rebound so, well, we. I yeah. think it's. I think it's a. I think it's more a positioning thing, which is probably the bigger concern. Yeah, we know none of our forwards are going to rebound. So, yeah. I don't know that, that 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 seems problematic. Just you know, in general, I feel like your forward should be doing a little bit more. Uh, but I mean, what? No, what kind of craziness is that? I think we should have raised a red flag when Chris Bell said he didn't have to rebound in high school. <laughs> well, and on a normal team, is Chris Bell playing the three? No. Right. No. Like, uh, in all honesty, man. put him in his length at the top of the zone, and what do you have? That's what this is. This team is a whole bunch of twos. It, it kind of is. Like, there's four. There's four twos on this team. No, yeah, four twos on this team. Gerard, Mintz, Taylor, and Bell. Yeah. Yeah. It See really... now, that, now that you say this, my brain is just melting um, because yeah, that explains <laughs> everything. everything. Yeah, and and we're not we're not talking like vintage Villanova, like Archidonacchio yeah. era, uh, like two like that many guards sitting around in one big. It's like there, it's a little different different look than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as per tradition on this podcast. Basketball gets the short end of the stick because basketball is not very good. Let's talk about lacrosse. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I was going to say, we were really just driving home that Syracuse sports is a great place to be. Christian, what happened this weekend, and why am I sad? Uh, Syracuse lost <laughs> to UNC in the ACC opener. Uh, not great. The, uh. the main route, the, uh, I, will, um, I was thinking about this uh, while watching the game and while also simultaneously watching the pit game since they were back-to-back. Um, I'm going to use some men's basketball analogies for this. Oh boy! Because it'll be it'll be great to help understand um, some of the problems that this Syracuse team has in terms of um, while there's good things that are you know good with this Syracuse men's lacrosse team, there are also some bad things. So for again, um, any new any new listeners, this is Annie and Steve learn lacrosse corner. Mm-hmm. So Christian is our teacher, and here we are. <laughs> and this is Christian who learned through osmosis from guys who played lacrosse. Mm. Um, in high school before coming to Syracuse as journalism majors. Um, so thanks to Nick and Adam, those guys out there, they know. <laughs> um, so the, let, let's start, we'll, we'll start with the goods. One of the best things about this team right now, and it's something they didn't have last year was the, was, uh, this team was scoring on extra man opportunities. And, um, I actually didn't know what a good Mendoza line for uh, for extra mans were um, until Paul Carcaterra said it on the broadcast. That's why I love having Clark and either like Quinn or Anish on the broadcast. It was yep. Paul Carcaterra this this week on the Syracuse broadcast, so that helps you know to help break down the game of lacrosse even more. Your Mendoza line for extra man opportunities uh, is forty percent. Okay. And coming into the game, Syracuse was at 78%. That seems good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, I heard, you heard, that seems good. I heard, ooh, the regression bus is rolling down. <laughs> I figured I'd set it up for the fall. <laughs> well, the regression actually didn't happen in this game. Um uh, let me um let me rephrase that. The regression happened because it only dropped by ten percent to sixty six percent after this game, because Syracuse won five of ten, which is still above the Mendoza line for the game. Okay. So like, <laughs> like that's a good thing. But let's break that down even further, because Syracuse scored five extra man goals. That means they only scored eight six on six goals, which is. Which adds up to 13. Syracuse lost 19-13 to UNC. And that's a little bit worrying. Because yeah, as good as uh, Syracuse's offense is, you would expect them to score a little bit more than eight even strength goals. And this is where uh, my men's basketball analogies will start. Syracuse looks like... Syracuse operates in a team very much like they're playing against a zone defense in basketball. And when we've seen teams play for Syrac- against Syracuse in basketball, the ball never stops moving. You rarely see a team dribble against Syracuse's zone, especially this season. The ball's always moving. The ball's always passing. That's what this Syracuse offense and men's lacrosse wants to do. They want to keep the ball moving. They want to play hot potato with the ball, right. which is why their extra man opportunities are so good. It's because they have so many talented passers and the ball just keeps moving, and you don't have to dodge and take guys on one-on-one and extra man opportunities. 
However, when you're playing on six on six, North Carolina and Paul Carcaterra also pointed this out. North Carolina decided that they weren't going to send double teams. They weren't going to send slides. They were going to try and challenge Syracuse to defeat guys one on one with their dodging skills. And that's where Syracuse's offense right now kind of struggles. Syracuse doesn't have a Judah Mitz who will drive to the cage and try and blow by a guy or try and juke a guy. Um, a lot of the offense, and we've seen this, is developed through passes. That's the high-risk, high-reward uh, structure of Syracuse. Right. It's what, in large part, led to the nine first-half turnovers that caused Syracuse to fall behind in the first half, which was what ultimately decided the game was the first half wasn't a clean first half for Syracuse. And you, and you see that because the Syracuse team, in lacrosse sense, has a lot of Clay Thompson's and Malik Brown's and Marek Dolezal's. It's probably more accurate to say they have a lot of Clay Thompson's and Marek Dolezal's, but they don't have a Judah Mitz. Right. You don't. You don't have the the Curry to Thompson or the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So you have a lot of guys who will be shooters from distance or a Marek Dolezal passer and shooter. Okay. Um. Syracuse could have a guy like that in Judah Mintz. It's just that they're asking him to be Samir Torrance right now. And that's Joey Spolina. Right. Because Spolina has the dodging ability. He looks like he has the dodging ability. But right now, in the way that the offense operates, he's the guy who needs to be the quarterback. He needs to be the guy who's the passer. Right. And, and he's openly said that he is looking to be a pass-first player, which is and w- what I said with uh, Mike Ostrowski. He was covering the game. He has the opposite problem of Mintz, where he needs, where I think he needs to, sh- especially now that he's kind of settled into the college cross game. Mm-hmm. I think Spolina needs to shoot more. Yeah. And like, if you take away the first game, like that he had, where he was, you know, it was his first game against a collegiate opponent. It's. I think it's time now that where Swinney can start to take some battles one on one himself and not, you know, try and pass that off and well, try you, and run the offense from behind the cage. Do you turn someone like Hiltz into that quarterback? No, because no one plays. Uh, no one else on this team plays Hiltz's role. Hmm. Uh, the lefty shooter on the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, also the lefty. The lefty right. shooter on the yeah. on the on the side. No one else on Syracuse can do that. Gotcha. And hmm. so I. And and the and the thing that makes that weird for Syracuse is that you kind of need Spolina back there, but you don't need him to pass it all the time. I think there there's more opportunities for Spolina to take take on his defender instead of pass it off. Basically, can, can he talk to his coach because he kind of did that? <laughs> well, yeah, but I think, <laughs> but I, I but I but I think both Gate and Spolina want him to be a pass first guy right now. Right. Um, I think it's time for him for to. I, I think it's time for him to take some more opportunities one on one with guys. Well, I guess. I guess it kind of is one of those where, do you have him take those one on one opportunities and force? Because at this point, has it been? It hasn't really been confirmed that at the collegiate level, he 
can do that and like would 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 force a, would force a slide Maryland, or something like Maryland, that. And he proved that with that behind the back goal. Uh, well, true, <laughs> but like, yeah, that, okay, fair. <laughs> we'll give you that one. Um, but it's like, does it? Is it something that'll force a defender, you know, a, a double coming to him and throw things off where he can pass out of it? Um, In theory, it should. Um, North Carolina, like Clark said, uh, like Paul Carcaro said, yeah. seemed to have a game plan of to not draw, uh, not to bring doubles. So, yeah, and go figure. Two out of the three announcers you mentioned are Syracuse alums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Quint, even though he's a Hopkins alum, will still, you know, he, he's yeah. still really, really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, Clark couldn't help run the midfield in the '90s for no reason. <laughs> um, and but I, I know I rag along on the offense. It's just, it's because it's the flashiest right now. Right. It's the thing that it's the thing that's going to win Syracuse games. Mm-hmm. The defense decidedly did not, which is where a lot of this should talk should go to because it was a sad regression to the last year. Um, oh, really? Where the off-ball defense was just not great. So what what Syracuse did was the opposite of what <laughs> North Carolina did. They Syracuse brought slides. They brought double teams. Yep. However, the secondary slides to recover from the guy who was sliding were not on time. So it was Syracuse basketball. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That the rotate the zonal rotation just isn't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Except. And again, it's it's zone with man to man principles. But Syracuse is I mean All right, Raftery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Okay. Um the because Syracuse doesn't play zone. I mean most most of the cross defenses don't play zone. They're playing man. Right. But obviously once once they once they decide once one guy decides to slide, uh, the other guys have to follow suit. And there yeah. were way too many guys who were left one on one with just three shots to take at Will Mark. And it might look bad and said, oh, Will Mark gave up 19 goals. He had 17 saves. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> damn good. <laughs> like, that's still pretty good. And that's also extremely shitty that they gave up that many shots. Yeah. That seems like a lot. Like, that's a hockey number of shots. Yep. North Carolina had 36 shots on goal. Syracuse only had 25. Uh, huh. About that. Yeah, that in large part was due to the uh, turnovers in the first half that were caused uh, that the Syracuse offense had with the, you know all the passing. Um, North Carolina's ride was also very good, um, and also Johnny Rachusa didn't have a great first half at the faceoff X. He settled in in the second half and actually gave Syracuse a chance in the second half uh, with the faceoff. Um, so I was actually—it's funny because I was actually following that on the stat line. Yeah, like, I wasn't able to watch the game because I had kid stuff. But I was following the box score on my phone, and one of the things, thank you for you know making me think about these things. But I was like constantly refreshing the uh, the stat line to see like how faceoffs were going and all that, and he, they were it wasn't it wasn't egregious. Yeah, I mean the the first half again it was bad. Like Sir Syracuse lost this game in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, faceoffs in the first half it was uh, 13, 13 to seven in favor of North Carolina. Okay, but in the second half it was nine to six Syracuse. So, it was better in the second half. Right. And um, that, I mean, 1913, like, at one point, 
Syracuse closed it to within two, right? Fifteen thirteen or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like fifteen twelve or fifteen thirteen. Like, yeah, they made a run to to you know make a make yeah. a game of it, and then mm-hmm. a large know, part UNC of that was on the face of winning faceoffs yeah. and also capitalizing on those extra man opportunities. Right. Look at that. We actually did a decent amount of time on lacrosse. <laughs> it. Listen, this is uh, when the basketball team is bad. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess the other thing, too, is like, call me crazy if I'm crazy, but this seems like it's a very young Q's team. Like, outside of the couple of transfers, this seems like it's a very young core to this team. Yeah, especially on offense. On offense, it's very young because the the core, the building blocks of the offense – is Joey Spelina, Finn Thompson, Michael Leo on the second line, Luke Roa. And you could also say young in terms of... Hiltz isn't young anymore. It's his third year at Syracuse. No, but I mean as in like there's more time with this group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and also like the the new faces are also grad transfers. So, you know, new to the program and Alex Simmons and Cole Kirst. Yep. Um, And and Mark. Yeah, Mark as well. Yeah. Defense-wise as well, I mean, the disappointing thing is the one veteran on defense, and the Kikimo was arguably the worst defender, um, which is uh, very, very concerning. Um, but, you know, um, the the short-stick middies, I mean, the, the defensive middies were at, are, are a strength of this team as well. Um, Sam Alexo, Carter Rice, Max Rosa, those guys are have done uh, pretty well. Um, same with Landon Clary. Um. So there, there is there is potential in this team, definitely. Potential is fun. I'm just like to put a bow on this topic of conversation. Like, obviously, the schedule is a gauntlet. Like, what is is there going to be time for them to get the, to like achieve this potential, or are they going to have to kind of figure this out quicker rather than you know getting some time to play around and, and figure it out? You have to kind of survive until the, after the Hopkins game, um, which is the next two games. Because, uh, I mean, luckily the next two games are at home. It's, yeah. you know, Duke and Hopkins, both at home at the Dome, so, you know, you've got some, you know, hope there, but... Uh, I mean, I mean, if they can swing one out of those two, it puts them in a good spot. Yeah, if you can swing one of those two, preferably the Duke one, because you want to at least put yourself in good standing in the against an ACC foe. Right. Um, especially an ACC foe you played twice uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, get at least one be, of the one of the mm-hmm. home and away. Yeah, um, and but that Duke game is going to be tough, especially because I mean, you UNC's offense is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they completely shredded Syracuse, and then Duke has Brennan O'Neill, who was last year's Joey Spelina. Right. So. Well, and then you've got Hopkins. You've got the Mikey uh, retirement, yeah. which it's probably going to be a good crowd for that game, if nothing else. So, I mean, that's not like Syracuse fans have anything else to cheer after Syracuse gets bopped in the first game of the ACC tournament. Point. Uh, <laughs> So if you take that, if you magically can take that Duke game, then you've got a decent, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're going into a decent home field advantage against the Hopkins yeah. crowd, and there you go. Then, and you and you know there will be a good amount of Hopkins people there as well, mainly yeah. just to see, uh, not only Syracuse take on Hopkins, but to see Petromala take on Hopkins. Right. Um, I forgot about that storyline too. Yeah. Uh, 
and then yeah, you know, they at least get some recovery with Hofstra, Bonnie's, Hobart, Notre Dame, Princeton. And then <laughs> you have yeah, you well, have Hofstra, Bonnie's, and Hobart, and then right, like we said yeah. last week, you have the murderers row I at just, the end of the I was going to say that five game stretch is just not yeah. happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here we are, and in all honesty, like for all we can say, they look better than last year. But yeah, uh, I, I because the. <laughs> If the defense, if the defense looks a little bit better in the next two games, um, there's hope, uh, especially because you have better goalie play. Um, you have a lot better. Um, you have a better goalie play, and you have a lot better uh, man up play as well. Um, if you can, if you can cut down on a little bit of the turnovers on offense, and also you know shore up a bit of the secondary slides on defense. You have building blocks here for Syracuse. Hey, all you can really ask for at this point is, you know, building blocks with the young team and be competitive in big games. Um, So we'll see where that leads uh, next week. But for now, uh, we are leading into our home field ad break. I was Uh, waiting for whatever snappy segue you had to get into to get into (laughs) halftime. (laughs) <laughs> Homefield apparel maker of the finest vintage collegiate apparel uh if you're watching on the twitch stream i am wearing one of the syracuse 2003 national championship shirts steve is wearing an ndsu uh retro 70s disco logo that's just fantastic um this is the comfiest clothing brand that you will find on the interweb that has collegiate vintage uh logos on everything uh highly recommend it this week they are dropping a limited edition usc and ucla collection so if you are a fan of the paction pac-12 action more to come uh, that later (laughs) well i was gonna say or as we're gonna jump into next maybe some future conference opponents uh the uh they are that collection is going to be fantastic. Uh, you should head over to Homefield Apparel uh, and check out uh, what they have. If you've never bought from Homefield before, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at Homefield Apparel. And if you want uh, the, the Jaggers that I'm currently wearing with the nice Syracuse Block S logo on them, too bad you can't get them, but uh, they're really, really comfortable. You can still get joggers. They just don't have logos on them. And I will tell you what, I know that they don't have Syracuse on them, but those joggers might be the most comfortable pair of pants that I own. So I thought they were lying. They come with a tag that literally says, uh, if you want it to be more comfortable, wash them. And I had worn them, and I was like, these are very comfortable. And then I washed them, and I was like, holy shit, they're right. (laughs) (laughs) They do not false advertise. Yeah. Uh, they are. They are. If there's one thing that Connor is, he is very transparent and honest. <laughs> yeah. See, see podcast uh, that he was on a couple, <laughs> couple months ago. I was, gonna, I was gonna say, see the why didn't Syracuse get a national championship uh, soccer T-shirt? Uh, home field's response: uh, We were really hoping for the other team. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. What makes you say? Oh, good. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, listen, love these guys. They are fantastic. Uh, thank you, Homefield, as always, for sponsoring our show. Uh, gentlemen, before my voice goes any further, I want to talk to you about some football stuff. Not that there's uh, really a ton of like Syracuse-specific news to come out, but there is 
some overall college football stuff that is adjacent to Syracuse. Thank you. Uh, the biggest one being uh, football scheduling, our favorite topic. Uh, we are seeing that with a lot of the shifting that's taking place with the SEC and Big Ten realignment that games are getting canceled. Um, Syracuse has yet to fall victim to one of these for our future schedule. But if you remember, uh, we had a Wisconsin home and home that got canceled uh, due to a lot of shifting around. Syracuse does have the Purdue series on the books, but there's a lot of empty slots for the non-conference kind of moving forward in a way that is slightly worrying. Uh, so it came out, uh, I got to check the exact date when it came out, but we've heard about this before. Uh, there was a report today that uh, from Forbes that the Pac-12 and ACC are looking at some kind of partnership where essentially the two conferences would find a way to bundle media rights together uh, for football games, whether that means being in the same conference, unclear, whether it just means having scheduled uh, home and homes and then you know selling those TV rights off uh, as one as like an individual package to try to boost the overall monetary value of these games. That seems kind of interesting, uh, but. As a Syracuse fan, I don't love the idea of adding more difficult games to the schedule. However, as somebody who follows Syracuse's schedule, it's really apparent that we don't have a great plan for the schedule moving forward. Um, and this is a reminder. I need to pull up the future schedules, but the next couple of years, we've got some doozies of a non-conference uh, schedule. Uh, future football schedules. Yeah, I vamped here. I want to say... It, next year isn't bad but after that it gets really weird yeah um let's see so this year is obviously um colgate western michigan purdue army uh with only purdue on the road not great but honestly like colgate western michigan army army is a little bit tricky but the rest of that's probably fine 2024 ohio at army home against Holy Cross, and an unannounced location and date for UConn. Um, so uh -huh. that's that's a very winnable four, mm -hmm. four non-conference games, which, I mean, either you have a rebounding Dino or a new head coach with that slate. And then yeah. we get to 2025. Right. Tennessee in Atlanta, Georgia. UConn, Army at Notre Dame. Not great, Bob. 2026, New Hampshire. Hold on, hold on. 2025 still. Uh, the way it lines up, it's looking at Clemson, at Florida State, too, that year, and at Virginia. At Wake as well. Oh, yeah, not great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, hope, that, <laughs> okay. hope that Notre Dame game is at, like, MetLife or something. Yeah, it is TBA, so you never know. Um, 2026, New Hampshire, Army, UConn, Notre Dame again, because we, um, and then 2027 starts the home and home series with Penn State. Um, and for the record, that is the only 2027, 2028 Penn State are, is the only power five opponent scheduled. We have UConn scheduled for 2027, uh, 28 and I think we have beyond. Dame. I think we have Notre Dame for 28 as well. No, 29. Uh, yeah. 29 Notre Dame, Morgan State. 
Then what state is going to be what, a weird uh, one? Then but, what schedule am I looking at? Uh, we have 2029, 2034, yep. and 2037 against Notre Dame. I have 28, 29, 34, and 37 right now. Huh. I do love that we have them out till 2037 thanks to the <laughs> deal there. I mean, the, pretending like the college football landscape is even going to look the same in 2037 is a hilarious assumption. I mean, uh, but, it is. What, are you, what the hell are you talking about? I'm assuming by <laughs> then we'll be the new equivalent of whatever FBS is because it's just going to be like 20 teams at the top forming the Premier League. We'll be like, we'll be in League One or like the, the bottom end of the championship if we want to equate it to English soccer because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I just, I'm intrigued. When, when's Ryan Reynolds going to take over Syracuse? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney make a, uh, make yeah. a TV show about <laughs> taking over Syracuse football. Uh, I mean, listen, if you bring in the Pac-12, you're bringing in Hollywood. I, I think that this is all, I think this is all coming up Ryan Reynolds to, to yeah, yeah, the that notable Los Angeles pool that is now going to the Big Ten. See, the problem is, because Reynolds is a Vancouver guy. If he was a Toronto guy, guy I would 100% say that, you know, we got to find a, a Toronto uh expat. What you're saying is that Syracuse and the Pac-12 need to figure out how to keep Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12. There you go. <laughs> I, oh, man. This is, uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting. It's weird. Uh, Syracuse needs to figure something out because, man, this these... I'm glad we're scheduled through 2026, um, but man, the Penn State home and home, the UConn, the 2025 schedule is going to be just an absolute gauntlet. No, thank you. I'm not happy. Uh, I'm going to just put my head in a hole for that season. Yeah. Yeah, by then you hope that North Carolina's run of quarterbacks comes to an end in 2025. That would be nice. That'd be yeah. Because because then like you know the twenty twenty five like home schedule looks manageable with Boston College, North Carolina Pitt and Virginia Tech. That's a manageable home schedule also. Hmm. Because you you hope you hope that Pitt doesn't you know improve. You hope that Virginia Tech doesn't improve. Boston College is Boston College. Hmm? Uh, oh boy! I mean, this is the this you is just, the challenge. You you just get to get crushed by Tennessee in the first game of the season. I mean, maybe Tennessee has Tennessee by then, and they've gotten rid of the uh, successful coach, and they're back to being mediocre. Or more likely, the successful coach gets bought out by Auburn or something. <laughs> We're not the only ones. Turns out that having the color orange in college football is pretty hard. Uh, Didn't watch your Clemson? Mm. No, they're Mm. purple. Mm. Yeah. In that case, we're blue. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Dr. Daryl Gross would like to have a word with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, during the Casillo times, it was... Uh, The other type of football that took place this week... uh, 
MLS is starting back up. In fact, if you want to watch MLS right now on Fox Sports 1, uh, Seattle is playing Colorado. It is nil-nil for maybe one person on this podcast who is slightly interested in the Seattle score. Do you uh, think I don't already have that up somewhere? There's multiple <laughs> screens going on here, my friend. <laughs> uh, my, my team won today, so I'm happy. There are a bunch of Syracuse players playing in the MLS. Steve did a giant uh, preview about it for the site. Uh, talk us through some names that we should be looking for uh, in the headlines, aside from Miles Robinson, who I saw made his full first team return for the first time since popping his Achilles. That seems to be the case. Um, yeah, I mean, Miles, uh, technically, I did not have him first name on my team sheet because of coming back off the injury. I went with Kamal Miller because Miller uh, made a hell of a name for himself at the World Cup. He's been playing solid the last couple of years for Orlando City and then Montreal. Um, he's kind of the locked-in starter at center back for Montreal. Um, he's been playing phenomenal. Uh, I didn't see what he did. If, did Montreal play yesterday? Uh, didn't have time to check the wraparound before I got here, but... Uh, if uh, also, I guess if anyone isn't watching the Apple TV coverage of MLS, they are absolutely killing it. Uh, their recap shows, their pregame shows, their in-game coverage has been phenomenal. Uh, if you're a T-Mobile subscriber, you get it for free. So look and find a code for that. Um, I don't know how to do. Whoever it. is a T-Mobile subscriber and would like to give me Apple TV, I'd be very much appreciative. I I talk to me after oh uh, i will I, be talking I to you after have, this i may have some people that i know will never <laughs> use theirs so um that's how i got it for free i had paid for it and then had apple refund me because somebody gave me a code i was like oh, oh I, I like free more than paid yeah so um but yeah uh their coverage has been awesome uh there's still going to be the marquee games uh i think what two a week on fox on like big fox or fox sports um but they will also be available on apple tv uh, one other note, or one big note, Alex Bono, uh, former TFC player for many, many years, uh, transferred to DC United over the offseason on a free. So the veteran is now a goalkeeper, and Syracuse Native is now a goalkeeper for DC, who hosted uh, Toronto in the <laughs> season opener. I don't believe he started. I think Miller started over him. Miller did, uh, but they uh, the final score for that game was three two. So, you know, so there might be, be some there might be some opportunity. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan Raposo <laughs> is signed with the Whitecaps. Uh, none of the draft picks that the Whitecaps took are currently signed, uh, which would be Levante Johnson or Buster Schoberg. Um, neither of them made the, to my knowledge, uh, I haven't seen anything otherwise, have made the uh, the full roster. Raposo is, to my knowledge, again, on the roster. I wrote this recap before all the rosters were 100% finalized. Uh, I believe he's on a supplemental slot. So um, uh, Raposo did his come on for the final 15 minutes and run really fast. Oh, um, yep. That's, he made a name for himself last year like doing that. He had a hell of a year last year as the super sub of, like, go sprint at things and then score goals. And he did. So... Can't go wrong there. Uh, Abdi Salim was signed by Orlando City. He was the only, uh, to, from what I saw, the only of the draft picks to officially sign with the first team. Um, some of the other guys make it uh, MLS next, MLS Pro next deals 
or uh, USL deals. But uh, Abdi did sign with the Orlando City first team. And DeAndre Kerr is with the Toronto first team as a winger, probably second in the depth chart, probably going to kind of play the same Raposo super sub role. So we'll see where that where that goes. Uh, Sheely, Sinclair, Johnson, and Schoberg did not sign with Galaxy, Real Salt Lake, and the Whitecaps, respectively. Now that Look I've you, just Steve. like sprinted through that, <laughs> what I don't know if anybody was able to catch any of those games or seen anything. I I saw the Nashville game to open the season and then following the Seattle game currently. So uh, beyond that, thanks to a small child, I have not been able to catch up on the rest of the games. Yeah, uh, just a quick look. Raposo, we talked about, did get in the game. Um, none of the other players mentioned uh, ma- made it into the game. Although Abdi did make the bench for Orlando City, so he's in the he's in the you know top eighteen there. Uh, Miles Robinson played the full ninety, uh, which is great to see. Uh, Fought Mob gave him a seven point one rating in Atlanta's two to one win over San Jose. So um, nice to see again. I I still can't believe that Miles is back playing ninety minutes after a pretty gruesome injury there. I thought that they were really going to kind of ease him in, but I guess the recovery and the rehab has gone well, and that bodes well for U.S. men's soccer, who I would assume Miles is going to try to get some caps in high-leverage games moving forward as they try to figure out the the center-back pairing that was very clearly the biggest weakness of the men's national team uh, in the World Cup, uh, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, uh... Did you happen to see the game that you had mentioned the score on? The which one? That nil-nil that's no longer nil-nil? Oh, uh, no, I did not. It went wow, the right geez. way, don't worry. Okay, thank God. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I literally closed Fought Mob as soon as uh, I started talking about Miles. I forgot uh, that hey. both of you are Sounders fans. Yep. Kind of weird, but both with reason. Ex- uh <laughs> Yes, the reason for me being Clinton Dempsey is freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, other note: uh, the MLS broadcasts for uh, MLS, the MLS broadcast for MLS, the Apple TV broadcast for MLS, the camera work and camera clarity is like a step above anything that we've seen. Like even watching on the big networks, they uh, there's actually something I was reading something really interesting. Uh, since this is a Syracuse sports broadcast, that means that we can talk about sports broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> um, there's uh, you don't you don't have two broadcast majors on this broadcast for for, for podcast for nothing. Exactly. Um, and, and apparently, there was there's just like a truck issue. Like only you know the trucks have physical equipment that can broadcast at certain levels, and for ESPN at least, soccer was never really high on the priority that it was worth the effort to send the trucks where mm-hmm. they needed to go. Um, and you and see college, that now, like with college basketball, college yeah, basketball is getting yeah. a lot of 4K coverage, um, and because the trucks just kind of stay in in the Big Twelve territory. <laughs> but even like for certain like national college football broadcasts, there are a lot of uh, complaints about you know certain SEC games that were not looking up to standard. Yeah, we saw it on the ACC network a bunch. It's just there's there's only so many. There's only so much of the equipment available to use at that scale, uh, so you have to pick and choose. But what MLS or what Apple has done is basically just did the Apple thing. Money is not an issue for us, 
but we can just buy an entire fleet of the best cameras and the best equipment and put them wherever we need them to. Uh, we saw with the baseball coverage uh, that they had last year, the Apple, you know, MLB TV is probably the best streaming product, but it's reliant on local broadcasts and local TV crews to kind of do their own thing, uh, which is like normally pretty great. But Apple had some really, you know, just phenomenal camera work and just overall really high quality baseball broadcasts even compared to NBC's national exclusive games that they had. Um, and so I think it's something where if you are a soccer fan and you are an MLS fan and you've been watching games previously, the quality is just going to be leaps and bounds better. Um, it's going to feel more like a Premier League game uh, because Apple is treating MLS the way that NBC treats the Premier League. Yeah, pretty much. And it's a great thing for especially for any sort of domestic soccer. Yeah, and I again, hoping that we see more of the Syracuse guys. Again, uh, Mac and his program uh, reloaded. Uh, we're going to have to probably talk about... That's probably a great final like thing here. There's been uh, some coaching changes up on the hill. We talked about Mac's extension <laughs> last week, uh, but it seems like there's a little bit of turnover on the staff. Uh, Steve, uh, kind of talk us through what uh, what happened this week. Yeah, uh, Sean Lawler, who uh, was the, well, previous assistant, uh, well, second assistant to Yuka, uh, and then came back after a stint at, I believe, Drexel, um, has now taken a gig at Penn State. So he's heading down there. Uh, more, more, you know, uh, congrats to him. Uh, great guy, great coach uh great addition to the staff and penn state will be great they're uh, very happy to have him down in happy valley um curious who mack will backfill with um i haven't seen any announcements unless i missed a memo somewhere but yeah it's uh it's a big loss for the program and yeah we'll see we'll see where and how that goes but uh the orange did bring in uh, non-coaching they brought in five new transfers for the spring spring semester so they're they're kind of reloading. I don't know if we. I can't. I, the only reason I didn't bust into that is because I can't remember if we talked about it prior or not. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is. Uh, we'll we'll have an episode to just break down the new the new soccer roster because why not? That's, that's how we do. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, guys, did I did I miss anything? <laughs> oh yes, you did. Uh, we had a women's lacrosse program who just held Pat and absolutely threw around Pitt. And also a women's basketball program who uh, is, it, I think... I, we can do uh, two future things to close this off. Sure. Yeah. Women's basketball is the nine seed in the ACC tournament. Uh, they'll take oh. on NC, They'll take on NC State. I uh, forgot that that's, that, that that's always the week before. It's yeah. so early. Mm-hmm. They'll take on NC State on Thursday in the 8-9 game, um, which means if you know anything about brackets, the winner of that game gets the luxury of facing the one seed, and that's mm-hmm. Notre Dame. So, yay. So we're in for another three-quarter game against Notre Dame? Hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully we can play uh, all four. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's four. Um and the other future thing, uh, because we are the football podcast, uh, Combine is this week. Oh, forgot about that. And so, yeah, just a reminder that the three Syracuse players that we'll be watching at the Combine are the three that you expect, Bergeron, Tucker, and Williams. 
Um, Surprise, and, Mikkel and didn't Mark, get an invite. Mikkel didn't get an invite. Um, un- unfortunate, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Mikkel. Um, mock drafts are having Berger on inching closer and closer and closer to the first round. He's getting high second round picks right now. Um, so like they're, you know, a good week, a good week in Indy could vault Bergeron into the first round. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, I, I guess I could see, but I also weirdly can't, um, just from the things he needs to work on. But I guess pro scouts think that's like, that's teachable. Um, I think I saw somewhere, I think I also saw Tucker, it was either Tucker or Williams, one of the other two, uh, in his second or third round uh, picks, late second, early third. That'd be great to see. Um, yeah. Also, uh, in that uh, draft pick note, just because we didn't mention it, uh, for any of you who remotely think the Judah Mints will be wearing orange next year, he's inching and has been shown in mocks in the first round as well. So don't yep, hold your breath. Is. <laughs> His jump shot has really improved over the last three games, which is the one thing he needed to work on. Right. We went from what jump shot to hitting threes with a modicum of consistency. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, don't hold your breath on him hanging around. Um, that's a perfect way to end this off. Yeah. That's, you know, we started we started with the bad. We finished with the bad. Um, yeah. And only a smattering of the good in between. It's uh, it is yeah, and for, the perpetual so, Syracuse for, podcast. We, we do have the, to, the, for it, the record, it though, because the only reason we didn't really touch on women's lacrosse was because we didn't really learn anything from that game no. at all, in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, they're pretty. They're they're pretty. Uh, pretty good. Pretty pretty good. <laughs> Neat. Well, gentlemen. I feel like uh, Syracuse sports didn't give us much to work with for potentially the last episode of Troy News is an Absolute Podcast, um, but we made it work. We talked for an hour anyways, and we got all in all of our favorite subjects. So for me, it feels like a win. Uh, thank you to everybody again. If this is the last time that we are coming under the Troy Noons banner, thank you so much for your support over these last few years. Uh, again, if you are sub- uh if you are used to reading this on newsedition.com, we're going to figure out something. It just might not be the way that you're used to. Otherwise, this is why you do all the things that I say at the end of every episode. You should go like and subscribe on your podcast purveyor of choice. Uh, it helps us trick the Ottoman uh, and the AI into spreading the Ottoman Empire, and will also ensure that when we eventually switch from Troy News is an absolute podcast to disloyal idiots. Nothing changes for you. You don't have to go anywhere new. This podcast will just get delivered to your smartphone or device, uh, and you can listen to us whenever and wherever. Uh, and, if you are watching us, on this, uh, moving forward uh, after this week, we will be also broadcast. Well, not broadcasting, but we will be uploading to uh, YouTube as well. So, if you want to subscribe on there, uh, we will be setting up a YouTube channel for that, and you can that subscribe is... that way via video. If you yeah. really want to look at the three of us for some reason. Or, <laughs> well, you know, YouTube lets you like listen to things in the background if you have the YouTube premium stuff. So I can understand that, too. Uh, and again, Twitch, like us, follow us there. Uh, get notified when we go live, which is mostly Sunday nights when we record this and you can interact with us over there. Uh, we thank you again from the bottom of our hearts for the support that you've given us. And we will be back next week. 
probably under the disloyal idiot banner, but who knows? Uh, I'm going to go with probably. Uh, thank you all, and go Orange. Go Orange. Go orange.